A bioregulator is never going to push you to a superhuman, let's say, level. It's seeking to bring you back into balance. This is one piece of your solution. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome to episode 181 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Lauren, recording today from Maryland, and I'm joined by my beautiful sister, Renee, across the country. Hi. Las Vegas. Yes. Hello. Hello. Good to see you. Great to see you too. We're excited for our female-driven podcast today. We are bringing on our friend Natalie Nidham. We've been chatting with her and seeing her at conferences over the last year or so and long time coming. We're very excited to bring her on to talk about peptides, which we've been dripping this out over some time. And we just think there's so much to learn in this space about peptides. But she is really leading the charge, not just as a, a female, but has a ton of experience and has a massive Facebook support group supporting over 14,000 people. So she is our gal. And yeah, we're excited to go a step further and talk about bioregulators. I'll let her explain what that is, but she is wonderful and lovely. And she certainly has piqued our interest and we are learning that there's so much more to learn in this realm. So we're just going to take you a step further today. Excited to do that. Yeah, I love this conversation. And selfishly, I learned so much, especially about the bioregulator as well. It's like a whole nother can of worms to open up and dive into. And of course, she is on the same page with us as with always looking at lifestyle factors first, right? You always got to be doing the nutrition, sleep, all the things. And the peptides, mm-hmm. I was thinking were the icing on the cake, but she actually was providing us with a different analogy. I'll let you tune in for that. I thought that was pretty interesting how she approaches it. Yeah, can't wait to learn more and to experiment more. As a biohacker, I'm ready to jump in and try some of these. Yes, jump in with responsibility. She made it you know, very clear that we have to continue to do our homework with peptides because there is so much information out there. And I think she does a really good job at bringing that all together and making it as simple as possible for her clients and for her community. So we just want to make sure everyone is proceeding with caution. Now, they're not FDA regulated, but there is vast research, not new research. There's a lot out there. So again, just be your best own biohacker as much as possible. This should just be a starting point for you. So a little bit more about Nat. Natalie Nidham is a holistic nutritionist, a human potential coach, and epigenetic coach who is immersed in the world of health, optimization, and longevity. A few years ago, she stumbled upon peptides and bioregulator peptides at a health optimization conference and has been immersed in the study and application of these as a health optimization and longevity tool ever since. Natalie runs a large and growing biohacking community on Facebook, the Optimizing Superhuman Performance Group, is the host of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance podcast, and she speaks at health conferences on longevity and what else? Bioregular peptides. We are very curious to learn more about these. As of today, Natalie's biological age is a full 14 years younger than her chronological age with telomeres matching someone 22 years younger. 
Her goal is to keep that clock moving back and to make sure that people learn that this is possible for them if they are willing to take charge of their health. She is amazing. She is empowering. Are you ready to get into this episode? Let's do it. All right. Welcome, Natalie, to the podcast. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So we've been really digging into peptides. We've been dipping our toe in the water over the last year, but we're really excited to uplevel this conversation with you, not only as a female biohacker, which is like super, super awesome, but also you have this whole other layer and experience. We're going to talk about bioregulators, which is most likely a very new term for our audience in addition to the peptides. So we'll discern the difference between the two, but you're really a voice for lifestyle nutritional interventions rather than this magic pill idea, which we're all fighting kind of in in this anti-aging peptide conversation at the moment. So to kick it off, we would love to know why are you so passionate about peptides and bioregulators and what got you into it? Thank you for that. I Why am I so passionate? Well, I think it's because these are compounds that ultimately enlist your body to do what your body does best. So I think that And all of us in this space who are, whether we're health coaches or nutritionists or functional medicine doctors, anything we can do that helps the body to do what the body does best is going to be better than anything that comes in and tries to do it for the body, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, absolutely. So, So the bioregulator peptides in particular are fundamentally epigenetic switches. So they are a signal that will trigger your gene, your DNA to produce proteins to help to rejuvenate tissues, glands, and organs from within. The longer chain peptides that uh, people might be a bit more familiar with now, especially because I know you've had a couple of guests who've talked about peptides. So these are things like BPC-157 or thymosin alpha-1 or thymosin beta-4 or even CJC-1295 and ipamorelin. I mean, unfortunately... <laughs> The names are not like super consumer friendly, but these are amazing fragments of naturally occurring proteins in our bodies that have been isolated. And when they're reintroduced into the body, kind of help to amp up the effect of what they might have normally done. And plus, as we age, some of these things start to decline, or we're trying to, like with the CJC epimorelin, these are what are referred to as growth hormone secretagogues. So what they do is they signal your brain to make more growth hormone. And when someone is young and making lots of growth hormone, they don't need that, right? But as we age or in certain cases, if we're super stressed or there's different conditions that make that our growth hormone levels have come down, these are something that can be reintroduced into the body that can kind of trigger the endogenous production and release. So by your own system of natural growth hormone, which means unlike taking growth hormone exogenously, so taking synthetic growth hormone and introducing it into the body, that's going to shut down your natural growth hormone production. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. So anyway, so that's a really long-winded answer. I'm sorry. But basically, like I'm so passionate about these things because they trigger our body to do something that we've, to this day, there's nothing that is man-created that can do what the body does better. Partially because we don't fully understand what the body does half the time, right? So you can get that first domino to fall. (laughs) Yeah, there's so much we still don't know about the human body. It's pretty wild. So is that kind of the case with all the peptides and bioregulators? There's never a concern that it's going to shut down the body's own function versus like Um, like you said, when you're taking HGH or testosterone, things like that. Yeah. 
So typically, no. I would say, okay. I mean, I hate the word never because maybe there's an, there's an outlier somewhere I'm either forgetting about or that we don't know about. But definitely, it's less likely because what's happening is you're, by triggering your body's own production of something, it allows whatever naturally built-in feedback loops, whether positive or negative, to still come into play, right? So, yeah. you know, like, for example, with those growth hormone secretagogues, for example, you want to be cautious. You don't want to overuse them because you don't want to keep your foot on the gas pedal, if as it were. But typically, you're never going to see the same degree of increase of growth hormone that you could achieve through exogenous growth hormone. So for someone who has a medical condition that actually needs to replace growth hormone in their body, those growth hormone secretagogues typically won't be strong enough. Okay. If you're, you know, and your medical doctor will tell you this, like you need growth hormone for reason A, B, and C. So those growth hormone secretagogues typically, they're not, just not going to be powerful enough because they're getting your body to do it. So that doesn't give you a free pass to say, oh, I'm just going to use it all the time because it, it can't go overboard. It can, but it's, it's a little bit harder. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you still need to work with a practitioner to make sure you're yeah. doing it correctly. Yeah. 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 And not going over too many lines. Like, you know, with those peptides in particular, I recommend that people keep an eye on their IGF-1 levels, which as imperfect as it may be, IGF-1 is a downstream metabolite, if you will, of growth hormone, or your liver produces it in response to growth hormone. So it gives you an idea of where your growth hormone levels are. And if those levels start to get too, too high, that's when we get to the dark side of growth hormone, right? And we don't, and especially from, from a healthy aging perspective, we know we need enough growth hormone to age well and to recover, but not so much that we're going to get ourselves into trouble. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like there's just quite a large spectrum of need. There could be a, a very acute and urgent need for someone medically if their physician sees there's a big deficiency, but then we're talking to biohackers here. So a lot of people are like, maybe I'm okay, but I want to optimize. Or also you mentioned as as we age, there's a decline in these peptides. So where do we begin? And maybe we could start through different age categories. Are you starting with the blood chemistry to see if there's a need? Are you looking at any genetics and maybe pairing the two to see the epigenetic expression, especially for those bioregulators? What's step one here? Yeah. So really, I would say that for the biohacker, they tend to come at it from a, I'm not recovering well from my workouts, or I need help. I want better skin, right? So, and then so there's two groups. There's the biohacker who's, who's looking to optimize. Then we have people who are dealing with medical issues that they're just not getting help on the conventional medical side with. And so that's a community where we're seeing Lyme and EBV and the other types of co-infections, even people who are struggling to recover from an illness or a virus or whatever the case may be, and they're just not getting any traction from conventional medicine. And so these are people that are going to come into the community and say, okay, what, what are the answers? What am I missing here? Right? So on the bioregulator side, again, there's two different applications here. One is a therapeutic application, which is still very much being developed. And I would say that if you look at the Russian research, because that's where the lion's share of research has been done was in Russia or Croatia or even in the Ukraine, like all of these countries, these are the guys that were doing the research. They're often used as adjunct to conventional therapy. 
which I think is really, really interesting. And on a health optimization perspective, what we're looking at doing is regenerating or helping in triggering the body to regenerate at a cellular level. And what's really interesting about the bioregulators is that they have as their MO the mandate to be modulatory. So that means they normalize function. So a bioregulator is never going to push you to a superhuman, let's say, level. It's seeking to bring you back into balance. So the best example of that is like there is a bioregulator for the thyroid gland. And so you can use that bioregulator for someone who is hypothyroid or someone who's hyperthyroid. So it's not looking to boost thyroid. It's really looking to help to normalize thyroid. And part of the way it's doing that is helping the thyroid gland itself to regenerate. And more adaptogenic in nature, I guess you could call it. It's more adaptogenic in nature, sure. And it's also, it's a little bit out of the world of a desiccated thyroid, right? So because we're literally talking about an extract from thyroid glands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say this sounds a lot like that theory of taking spleen or liver or thymus from whatever animal to support that. Same idea. It's 100%. And I think that's one of the things that when you start to get into the bioregulators, that's kind of jaw-dropping. Is kind of like, here are these things that are really cool that actually originate from food. And so for those of us who come from the nutrition world, we're like, holy crap, like that is nuts that it's an extract from food, right? That whole idea of eating nose to tail. Now we start to understand a little bit about why it is so powerful for people's health. Because Mm -hmm. if you're eating liver and thymus and kidneys and heart, even stomach lining, which is not going to lie. I tried stomach lining in Italy once in a restaurant. I think it was in Florence. And as great chefs as these people are, it was still kind of (laughs) nasty. To my taste, taste, and not no offense anybody, but you know what? It was a tough one to, it was tougher. It was tough to stomach. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I had to. You had to. I know. (laughs) That was a good one. But it's fascinating to think about how these things come to us from nature and how it really leans into the concept of how a nutrient dense diet, which when we're talking about animal products, which are the bits and bobs that nobody likes to eat really, and that are really hard to find now, if you think about it, maybe like that, that magic is there. And when we think about animals, what's the first thing they go for when they kill another animal and they're going for the organs, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you look in a lot of traditional cooking, like you go back into great grandmothers and great, great grandmothers, they were using a lot of the organs in their cooking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But today we're just not doing it. Yeah. Where are these bioregulators coming from? Are these at all animal-based? Are they lab-made? Both. So you have two options of bioregulators. You can, there, and the oral bioregulator, which comes in a capsule, is typically animal derived, right? So it's an extract from a young calf. So they're basically year old calves that are raised under very specific conditions and very specific. They're kind of like your grass fed kind of creatures that have been raised and harvested for the purpose of harvesting these bioregulators. And what's interesting about the oral bioregulator is very what you're getting is not just that two to four amino acid chain, which is what 
they are, like they're defined that there's no more than four and as few as two amino acids in a chain in a bioregulator, you're also probably getting a lot of the cofactors. So again, going back to the desiccated thyroid idea, so that you're getting more than just the bioregulator peptide. The other option is there are labs and for, I would say out of 21 bioregulators, all except for maybe five or six, there is a synthetic version of that bioregulator that can be synthesized in a lab. And so they've identified that two to four amino acid chain that is the money shot, if you will, in the bioregulator in that extract, and they can recreate it in a lab. Mm, And so then it can be applied either by subcutaneous injection or increasingly what we're starting to see is sublingual and even transdermal products. And what's interesting is these peptides are so tiny that they kind of get a buy anywhere, right? But then it becomes about polarity and probably like the 3D orientation of the molecule. Is it going to be able to cross membranes and get to where it needs to go? But by and large, they seem to be able to get to where they need to go when they need to kind of thing. Mm. And when you read the literature from Professor Kamenson, who's done all the seminal research on this stuff, he talks about how when you're breaking down food, some of these sequences are preserved and cross the gut as entities. Just kind mm-hmm. of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love there's so many different delivery formats. And I would love to circle back to how do we decide what's the best absorption or particular to the peptide. But I just want to make sure our audience knows the difference between the peptides, the bioregulators. Bioregulator is just a shorter chain, the two to four. Right. So it, would you consider yeah. it a mini peptide? Well, it's itty bitty peptide. Itty bitty? Itty bitty. That's the only difference is the length of the chain. Pretty much. I mean, it's a, it, the bioregulator peptide is, like I said, anywhere from two to four amino acids. So the amino acids are essentially building blocks of protein, right? The longer chain peptides, which are what we talked about earlier, like the BPCs and the TB4s and all those guys, those are their qualifier is that they're 50 amino acids or fewer. Now, there are peptides in that world, like GHK and KPV and I want to say maybe VIP that are only three amino acids in length. Mm. And so, so, and and what's interesting about those is they're pretty powerful. And so it's particularly in with respect to GHK, which is a peptide that people might've heard about. It's the copper peptide. It shows up a lot when people are talking about skin health. And, yes, and I've taken a serum or used a serum. Yes, and it's usually blue, that blue. beautiful kind of cobalt color because of the copper. GHK is only three amino acids. And there have been studies done, I think it was at Stanford, that showed that it it like it's like you can imagine this little peptide running up and down the genome, flipping genes. Like it positively affects over a thousand genes on the human genome. Like mm. it's wow. a little bit nutty what it, how powerful this thing is. And some people believe that maybe if Kavinson had come across it first, it may have been quali- categorized as a bioregulator peptide. Mm. Okay. But Yeah. I mean, is there some debate whether things are peptides and bioregulators? Because I feel like, like I've heard you say like epitalon, I think is is a bioregulator. I always thought it was a peptide. Is that just because people aren't really discussing the breakdown? Yeah. I think it's more that when people start talking about these things, they're like, okay, people know what a peptide is. So we're just going to call epitalon a peptide because it is a peptide, but it is of this family of bioregulators. 
that literally do that, right? They regulate the body. So when you look at a pitalon, which is the pineal gland bioregulator, so pineal gland being a little pine nut shaped gland in your brain, it is this tiny little gland that is incredibly important. It regulates your circadian rhythm, your circadian cycle. It regulates your melatonin production. It is also referred to as the master endocrine like regulator of your body. So it's almost like the conductor of the endocrine system. Like I've seen people use epitalon along with, let's say, I've had a couple of women who've used epitalon with the ovarian bioregulator and have restored their menstrual cycles. Now they were still cycling, right? But all of a sudden it restored their menstrual cycle when they kind of lost their period for any number of reasons. So the caveat to that would be they were also doing a lot of other work around trying to rebalance their body. But just those two little bioregulators seem to be the final piece that got things going again. Or I've seen a couple of postmenopausal women who started taking epitalon and in them, somehow, they started seeing breakthrough bleeding, which is crazy, right? And actually almost flies against the concept of modulation. And so I think there's a lot we still don't know, but by and large, Epitalon is an incredibly powerful peptide to restore balance in a very holistic way to the body. And then the other, its other big claim to fame, why people talk about it a lot, is that it activates an enzyme called telomerase, which helps to restore the length of telomeres on the ends of your DNA. So from a healthy aging, I don't love the anti-aging thing because we're aging whether we like it or not. (laughs) You're on the train. (laughs) Listen, I'm like moving up the train (laughs) cheese. (laughs) But from a healthy aging perspective, anything we can do to keep those telomeres healthy and, and longer is beneficial because with healthy telomeres, our DNA can keep replicating. And that means we just keep to get up to fight another day, right? We can restore, we can repair. Our body has repair mechanisms built into it. So anything we can do to enable those and to get out of the way is going to be beneficial to us aging well. Yeah. On the healthy aging spectrum, I guess, what other peptides or bioregulators would you kind of put into that stack? All right, biohackers, I know you probably already know that sleep is one of the most powerful factors to upgrading your health. We know that great sleep can upgrade you on virtually every level. It can optimize body fat, muscle mass, your mood, brain function, and countless other ways. However, there is a popular sleep supplement on the market, melatonin, which is often overused and can be problematic because the body can adapt to it and then you need to take more and more and it becomes less and less effective. So melatonin has its place, but you wanna make sure you know what you're doing if you're going to take it. So there is a much better approach. You can actually feed your body the natural melatonin building blocks and what we call the transformers or the cofactors that your body needs to naturally produce melatonin. And thanks to a brand new sleep formula developed by our friends over at Bioptimizers, you can experience the best sleep ever. After years of trial and error and sleep tracking, they have finally launched a new groundbreaking sleep formula called Sleep Breakthrough. And this is a delicious sleep drink. Lauren and I love it so much before bed. And it actually supports your natural melatonin production and relaxation without creating a dependency. So you can actually take it more often and still have the best night's sleep on demand. We find that it helps you fall asleep faster you stay asleep throughout the night, and it even helps you get the right amounts of REM and deep sleep. So really optimizing that sleep efficiency. And best of all, you'll wake up feeling rested and rejuvenated. 
not groggy like some of the sleep supplements can do on the market. So that's a great benefit as well. And guess what? They are giving all of our listeners an exclusive offer. So if you head to sleepbreakthrough.com slash biohackerbabes, you can use promo code biohackerbabes10. That'll get you 10% off. And they are giving away special gifts for any purchase over $20. That is a limited time offer. But for now, make sure you definitely check out sleepbreakthrough.com slash biohackerbabes. All right, let's get back to the show. All of them, right? So the way the bioregulators work is there's 21 of them. So you've got a, I'll just rattle off a few of them. You've got a bioregulator for the pineal gland. You've got one for the heart. You've got one for the liver. You've got one for the adrenal glands, thyroid, the lining of the blood vessels, the kidneys, the pancreas. Now I always said adrenal, lungs, stomach, bone marrow, cartilage. Cartilage is really interesting because people think of cartilage as, okay, well, it's just about my joints. But if you think about it, what the cartilage bioregulator does is it upregulates the production of collagen and elastin because we need flexible bones, but where else do we need collagen and elastin? Yeah. And will it kind of go wherever the body... It's going to trigger that collagen and elastin systemically, Mm. right? So what you might... And the thing with the bioregulators, I would say, is that they tend to be more long acting. So you don't... I mean, with the pitalon, we see it sometimes we see people sleep really improve right away. So their deep sleep gets better, but you have to be doing all the things, right? You have to be following Molly Eastman and watching your sleep hygiene and not eating until chewing your last bite as you're hoping to close your eyes and fall asleep. You're, you know, you have to be doing all the other things, but. If you start, if you do a run of a pitalon and lean into improving, doing everything else that you can do to improve your sleep, then you're giving your body a chance to kind of reset that circadian cycle and get into a better place. Yeah. Hmm. Very cool. What are some common mistakes that maybe you see? And I would love to just come back to the blood chemistry because that's where my brain spends most of its time. What are some foundational things that we could be missing if we are leaning into these adaptogenic, the bioregulators that are really just affecting the epigenetic, like something like methylation that could be dysfunctional and we're not looking at the building blocks or the pathways that would upregulate or support that. What are some common things that we see that people are just completely skipping over that you think are really important? Yeah. Well, I think people just, that's a really good point. Like if your methylation is messed up, you have to address that if you're wanting the bioregulator to come in and do what it's going to do. Right. So if you're showing those, and you know, because we have to be careful with genetics because someone on paper can be an overmethylator or an undermethylator, but they may not be showing up that way, right? Yes. So we have to be really careful with this whole methylation madness, right? For everybody, I get clients and I'm sure you do too. Yeah, I get clients coming to me going, you know, I'm an overmethylator. I have, what's the word I'm looking for? I, call, I, I trained myself to say variants instead of mutations. I have a mutation on this gene. I'm like, Okay, we need everyone to... has mutations. I know that word needs yeah. to be bad. Mutants, <laughs> there yeah. are mutations. There's millions of SNPs. <laughs> exactly. There are variations on a theme. And it's by understanding your variants, then layering them over your how you're showing up in the world. Can we then decide, do we need an intervention? Right. So with the bioregulators, it's not, I wouldn't say that you need to look at labs to make sure that certain things are in place necessarily. It's more a question of you do need to make sure that you're working. If you're really looking to optimize your health, you have to take a look at the whole picture. And they are just one piece of that picture, right? 
And so what we have to think about is if we're asking the body to regenerate tissues, if we're asking the thymus gland to come back to life, and we're asking the adrenals to kind of do their thing, well, we better make sure that all the nutrients that these things need are in place. We better make sure that our inflammatory markers are normalized, right? If you have rampant inflammation, and that I guess that would be one of the things. If you see in someone's labs that their inflammation's off the charts, you're just sending these things into a burning building. They can't do that much if they're in a burning building. So we need to be paying attention to inflammation. We also want to be working on things like blood sugar, right? If somebody's blood sugar is off the charts, I'm going to look at the pancreas bioregulator and the liver to help me out. Or if let's say cholesterol is, is off the charts, but those two bioregulators can only help that organ to restore itself. But we have to be doing the work on the nutrition and maybe using different nutrients to help or supplements to help to support, like in the case of the liver, does it need milk thistle? Do, do, are we needing to lean into something like tutka for bile flow? Like what are the other things we need to be doing to help the system to run properly so that then as we're providing these signals for regeneration, it's doing it in an environment that is kind of like almost getting help at the same time. Yeah. So it's not going to make up for missing cofactors. But I imagine, I mean, you work with a 14,000 person group, Facebook group. I'm sure you get a lot of questions and people that are motivated to just try it, to see what happens. Like what, how do you get them to slow down and go like, hold on, piece you know, of the puzzle. I feel like the people who come into the group, I mean, there's two groups, right? You get people who've been at this for a long time. They've been trying to solve their health issues. They've been going at, and there I'm always impressed with so many of these people have done so much work. They've done so much research. Like you get the person who's been, who just hasn't gotten anywhere through conventional channels. And I'm amazed, like they, they have no formal training or anything, but they suddenly become like Uber researchers. They become like these amazing, like I learn from them every day. Like we all do, right? Like, because there's such a body of knowledge that is unexplored. And then we get the people who come in like deer in headlights, just heard about this somewhere and said, Ooh, I heard about this thing that's going to fix my gut. Where do I get and how do I use it? Like, not even how do I use it? The ones that kill me. There's Where do I get it? <laughs> there's the person who's like, I just spent hundreds of dollars on these peptides. What do I do with them? I'm like, Really? Seriously? <laughs> or wow. the other one that I find really tough is people who get told to use a peptide by a practitioner or a medical person and then they're thrown out to the wolves like they don't get given any information they don't get told how to use them it's it's a pretty crazy world out there right so i think that in general in the group i and my moderator spend a lot of time kind of educating right and reeling people in and just slowing them down and or somebody's going to say, what are the things like I want to use, you know, BPC-157 is a great example because it is a very powerful peptide at healing the gut and everybody's got gut issues pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think yeah. you kind of That's can. my favorite. Even when people say I have no symptoms. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's 2023. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you got gut issues. And if you don't, that's amazing. We still have to support it. But BPC-157 is, is a peptide that is incredibly powerful for healing the gut, but people forget that that's going to help with the gut lining. 
But what are you doing to restore the mucus layer that separates that gut lining from the lumen? What are you doing to address the microbiome further down or anywhere in the chain to help restore balance there? So we just need to keep bringing people back to this is one piece of your solution, right? And love that piece. And it's a powerful piece. What's up, biohackers? What if I told you there was a supplement that is helpful for immune health, dental health, skincare, even can help our pets at times? And it has actually been used by many ancient civilizations for a long, long time. I am talking about silver today. It was actually used before the mainstream discovery and acceptance of antibiotics in the early 1900s. Uh, Silver was used in hospitals and is still used today. And we do want to be careful about the quality of silver. This is why we love the silver sold technology. It's not ionic. It's actually a true colloidal silver, which is a nanoparticle coated by a silver oxide. So what you really need to remember is that it's more effective and more efficient at lower parts per million. And the silver sold technology that we love is 10 to 33 parts per million versus there's other companies that have up to 3,000 parts per million. So the takeaway, more is not always better. And the company that we really, really love to use is Silver Biotics because they have a wide range of products, like I said, for immune-specific, dental-specific, even the pet care, wound care, all of these great options. And the Silver Soul technology has a natural way of targeting invaders without the side effects, so using multiple modes of action on how it targets invaders. It uses the natural elements to kind of trick the body, so to speak, to kickstart the immune system. So especially through the winter, we love using the immune support. So if you want to check out these awesome products, you can head over to silverbiotics.com and make sure you use discount code biohackerbabes at checkout to save some money. All right, let's get back to the show. The cool thing about BPC is people can experience benefits and an improvement in their condition just by using BPC, but it's just to bring it home and finish the job. You know, and then if they're lucky, if they're lucky, their sore knee gets better or their sore back magically gets better. And they're like, well, wait a minute, my knee's been sore for three years. How is it feeling better? And it's like, well, because it happens to be really cool for musculoskeletal healing and inflammation and whatever else. Yeah. The systemic anything with systemic benefits amazing. Yeah. 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 And that's because it's endogenous, it's naturally occurring in the body. BPC stands for body protective compound. And there are receptors for this peptide pretty much everywhere in your system. Yeah. I'm kind of like picturing this pyramid idea of peptides are kind of like the top piece, but like, you know, like with gut health, right? It's like, you know, did you resolve the food sensitivities? Are you lacking digestive enzymes? You know, are you breathing before you eat, mindful eating, all these things? And it's like putting all those in place. And then I feel like the peptides are just like the icing on the cake to just really make everything work better because, and I don't, I mean, our world is super toxic, right? People are really stressed out. And I think quite often I see people are like, I am doing everything and I'm not getting that final Mm -hmm. answer. And I feel like peptides could be that piece for people, which is really exciting. I think that's a great visual. I would almost weave the peptides through the pyramid though. Ah, okay. Okay. I mean, like, Like, I almost feel like they, they're part of everything. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. It's, and, and, you know, it's funny. I had, that just came to me as you were describing the pyramid, because I feel like you don't, I mean, in some cases you leave them as the last step, but very often they can be integrated through the process and can be helpful. Okay. I see an infographic coming out. I know you can do it. 
I love the visual analogies. I was imagining, you know, a needle and a thread, you're pulling it through. And as you go up the chain, it's getting tighter and tighter. But at the top, you could just cinch the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or like those packing cubes now, right? Keep zipping. Yes. 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 Yeah. Love love that. that. Yeah. And even like the skin stuff, again, you have to do all the lifestyle things. You can't just expect to like put copper peptides on your face and see amazing results. Curious on skin health. What else would you recommend? Besides the copper, the cartilage, bioregulator, anything else, if people are already doing all the skin hygiene you things? Mean for, for aesthetics? Yeah, for aesthetics. And well, so, I mean, it turns out BPC is a great aesthetic. It has topical benefits as well. Oh, you and can get that like in a cream? There are compounding pharmacies that will make it as a cream. There's actually a, oh. a provider, one of the research lab guys... I think has a BPC-157 cream as well, which you could, like when I, I recently, like last summer, actually, it's not even that recent anymore. I had a, I had a small cyst removed. And so, but it was in a place where the surgeon said to me, like, this is going to scar. And so I'm like, the hell it is. I ran home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll prove you wrong. Open my freezer, pulled out some piles. And topically I was able to apply the BPC-157, the GHK copper, and then a fragment of the thymus and beta-4 peptide that is antifibrotic. So what's interesting about these peptides is in the case of GHK, it can help to reduce scarring, right? Because it helps to realign the fibers in the filaments in the skin. Thymus and beta-4 also, which is, although it's a thymus peptide and it's a repair peptide, it's a really big peptide in the grand scheme of peptides. It's 43 amino acids. But what's cool about it is had like seven different docking sites. And so what some people have done is they've isolated those docking sites and said, oh, here's a four fragment amino acid fragment that's really good to reduce that's antifibrotic, right? And here's another one that's particularly anti-inflammatory. There's another fragment that's exceptionally good for the heart. And so now people are starting to wonder, well, you know, they're really small wonder if maybe that's also kind of a bioregulator that nobody's really discovered yet. So it's a field like all the other fields in human health that people are always learning and discovering new things. And I don't exciting. the book's not closed. So to go back to the skin, you know, skin's a tough one because it's so hard to affect skin health. The outer right? layer of your body. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. so, and yet at some level, I think the people certainly in the group who've gotten the best results have used that copper peptide GHK systemically and topically at the same time. Mm. And then if you go, there's a really great website called reverseskinaging.com, which is the website of Dr. Lauren Pickard. And he is the doctor who discovered the copper peptide GHK, like in the early seventies. And when he's got a huge collection of different products that you can buy and use on your skin, one of the things that he uses is almost like a chemical disruptor of the skin barrier that you would use before the GHK serum to try and help it to get through. Other people might use it also periodically when they're doing microneedling because you you need to help it to get through the skin layer to kind of do what it's going to do. So... The cartilage bioregulator, on the other hand, is you're taking it internally. So it's affecting things at an epigenetic level. But the one thing I want to, one of the GHK, I think for skin 
aesthetics is one of the ones that people are the most disappointed at because when they read about it and what it does, you almost expect that, oh, I'm going to use this for six weeks and I'm going to look completely different. I had that expectation a little bit and I didn't fully do my research on the copper peptides. I did serum. I was doing other things for my skin and health, but yeah, but you have great, not a nothing. But but, but here's the other thing, you know, and and here's the other question that I ask people a lot is because they come in and they're like, okay, I want to use this peptide. And I'm like, why? Like, what's the outcome you're looking for? Right. Because if you don't know what the outcome is, and then you have to know, well, what's your baseline? Well, I mean, Lauren, I'm looking at your, I've seen you in person. Like anybody can look good on camera, but like I've seen you in person, your skin is pretty freaking awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. I do think we both have good genetics in our family, but you know, I'm trying to get ahead of the aging. You mentioned earlier, it's like, this is the time when you really have to start thinking about these. So it's not even that I'm trying to fix. I'm really trying to prevent and optimize long-term. Got you. And I'm all the way in with you because I wish I would have done more of that prevention myself at your age. I'm just saying that you're not going to see it necessarily, but to some degree, you have to believe And I believe in that. Yes, we got to trust the process. <laughs> got to trust the process. And so, but you know, with GHK in particular, the people who've really moved the needle with it are people who've applied it systemically by subcutaneous injection. And they did 10 little injections a day for days upon day, wow. days on end. Because it turns out that if you go back and look at the animal studies, the way that they got the results that they got on the little mice where they did horrible things to their back and saw magical healing is that they were infusing it into their peritoneum. Like they were infusing it into the mice over the course of the day. So it turns out that to get the most amazing results, you almost want, and actually one of the people I interviewed on my podcast, he took an insulin pump and loaded it up with his GHK, 10 milligrams of GHK and had it delivered systemically over 10 hours. Wow. Right. That's a biohacker right there. That's a huge biohacker. And it brings us back to the point where you kind of got to go back to the studies and say, okay, well, how did they use it? How much did they really use? It's like anything else. It's like the supplements that we take, right? What's the actual effective dose that you need of something? And if you go back to the trials, how much did they use and how often did they use it? And who did they get those effects with? Like, was it someone who was really broken, who got fixed, which is great, except then for the person who's not broken, who's just looking to kind of shore themselves up, you're not going to necessarily feel it the same way that that other person did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I've kind of experienced that with a couple of peptides like C-Max and Selang. I did those, didn't really notice anything, but maybe someone that has a lot of brain fog and struggles to get through the day, maybe they take it and they're like, holy cow, I feel incredible. So yeah, it's always like, where are you starting? And like you said, what's your goal? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Any other peptides that you're really jazzed about right now that you want to share or bioregulators? (laughs) Well, to me, I think the bioregulators is the thing that I'm the most jazzed about the most often. I mean, the peptides I will use when I need them kind of thing. I don't like to, I don't know, you know, it's funny. I am a biohacker and at the same time, I have one body and Sometimes you get people like there's a mitochondrial peptide that people get really excited about called MOTC, right? Um, And MOTC, it can improve athletic performance rather dramatically to the point where it's, it's banned, like it's a banned substance. 
The problem with MOXIE is that imagine that your mitochondria have all these little crazy engines in there that are spinning like 1200 revolutions a second or something and making ATP. But if your mitochondria aren't optimized, if there's gunk in the engine and you're giving something to push them to the next level, could you be doing more damage than good? And where I see this kind of show up in people is you get people that use Moxie and get amazing results. Like they get great energy, they're chronic fatigue. Some people might have chronic fatigue. Some people might have brain fog. They're like, oh my God, this thing, this is the best peptide ever. And then you get other people who are like, I got nothing or I feel worse. And so what we have to think, and this is an interesting one, right? What we have to think about is two things. Number one, we don't exactly know how it works. And we don't know everything we really should know about mitochondria. So we have to be a little bit cautious here, right? But number two is what other work do we need to be doing to support our mitochondria before we ask them to run harder, right? That's a great question. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's an amazing point. And that happens even with supplements, with nutraceuticals. We could be backing up particular pathways because we read that it upregulates the system, but so many variables in our own epigenetics, methylation patterns, biochemistry. So yeah. I guess if yeah. you want to be like a really liberal biohacker, go for it. But I think Renee and I fall more into your camp. We could be maybe conservative biohackers willing yeah, to experiment within yeah. reason. Yeah. No, I mean, to your point, like with the liver, with like detox pathways, right? Your phase one could be really, you could be pushing your phase one, but if your phase two pathways are not optimal and you're not supporting them, you're putting yourself into a pretty tight spot here, right? So, yeah. you know, you're just- need some heavy Drano. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm curious about quality. I know there's some concern because there's, I don't know if you call it like a black market for peptides, but you could go online and find them in many different places on the webs. And I've heard there's a lot of concern over LPS getting the lipopolysaccharides built up and maybe a not so ideal quality or toxic product. What can you speak to as far as getting good sourcing? Yeah. So that's another one where I'm pretty careful. Like I, I work with, they're basically for the peptides that people might introduce systemically into their body. I really only work with three research labs that I have vetted and know, and I'm confident are high quality. They test their products. They know what they're doing and they're not just blindly reselling the cheapest product they could find overseas. Then, of course, the next level or the, the top level is compounding pharmacies. They're regulated. They know what they're doing. They're vetted. But to access the compounding pharmacy product, you have to be going through a medical doctor, which I think is always a great idea. But for people who are sourcing their own, then what we want to do is I'm really picky. I spend my time ferreting out people who are infiltrating into the, my community and saying, buy my peptides. They're super cheap. They're really amazing. And I'm like, yeah, no, not so much. You're out. You know, like, or I had another guy who came in and said, well, I get my peptides from China, but I get always get a certificate of analysis from the lab. I'm like, oh, that's really awesome. So you're getting the person making the peptide to tell you it's really, really good. If you're good with that, that's really amazing, but it's not going to work for me. (laughs) They made a certificate on Canva, I'm sure. And you're out. (laughs) That's frightening. Yeah. So, sorry, not sorry. Then we get also, and you know, what's also really cool now is as more people, like the big holy grail on the peptides or the big thing right now is people are trying to figure out how do we make them orally bioavailable? 
So there are a couple of peptides that you can take orally other than the bioregulators. So the bioregulators are all orally bioavailable, but the other peptides like your BPCs and TA1s and thymus and beta-4s, BPC-157 is orally bioavailable because it's naturally occurring in gastric juice. And so the body in its wisdom kind of recognizes it and doesn't just digest it, right? Gives it a chance to kind of do its thing. And even then you get arguments about, yes, but there's the arginate form and that this form and this one's going to last longer. And I've seen both work really well. So I'm not going to go there. Just quick question about the BPC, because you did mention the oral for gut healing, but I've taken it intravenously for an injury. Would I have been better off just taking the oral systemic and hoping, or maybe both? You're shaking your head. Please explain. No, so, so basically BPC-157, it's the one you could use it in eye drops. You can use it topically. You can use it systemically and you can use it orally. You can also use it intranasally. So it's just this fascinating molecule that just seems to be, no matter how you bring it into the body, it seems to do its work. But if you have a musculoskeletal injury, you're going to get best results if you use it by subcutaneous injection, right? Uh, for gut issues, you could use sub-Q or oral, or very often, in I'll recommend people think about doing both, right? There seems to be benefits to both. It, topically, it can be really helpful. And there's even an application of BPC-157. But this one, you do have to get it compounded by compounding pharmacies as eye drops. And really, there's some really great trials. I think it's BPC for dry eye. And then thymosin beta-4, which BPC-157 and thymosin beta-4 are very often used together. Like they're a great stack for healing. And thymosin beta-4 also has really great applications ophthalmically, so it can be compounded as eye drops. TB4, however, as its integral peptide, can't be taken orally. It has to be used by subcutaneous injection. Mm. But we have oral supplements now that are what they've done. What I said before, they've isolated fragments of the thymus and beta-4 and are delivering those orally. And those seem to be working really well. So So cool. I can only imagine the charts and spreadsheets that you have over these things. It's super fun. Um, Peptide queen. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) The grand Uh, puzzle. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, the thing with the bioregulators is one thing I should warn people, like bioregulators gets even dodgier in terms of sourcing, because now you're talking about something that comes from places like Russia or Ukraine or wherever, and you can find the same compound for a quarter of the price online than it is from where I might buy it. And I'm in the mindset of these little things are super powerful. And so if I'm going to be injecting or introducing a compound like this into my body, I want to know it's the real thing and I want to know it's clean. So I really encourage people not to cut corners on this stuff. And it's absolutely an investment and you have to be prepared for it. And frankly, the research labs as it is will save you a ton of money over the compounding pharmacies. And it's not so much the compounding pharmacies as usually you're dealing with a couple of markups and it depends on the physician. So some physicians are going to, it's part of their business model and not to criticize anybody at all. It's all about how people structure their businesses as it were. But I very often hear like the most astronomical prices that people are paying for peptides through their providers. And they have to understand that this is how the provider is being compensated for their time. And it's part of the exchange, but definitely 
you go to one of these good research labs and really gives people something to think about because the prices can be dramatically different. And is that something that people can find online without being a physician? What's that? The the three that you were talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about all the time in my groups. And one of them, the owner of one of the labs is uh, Jean-Francois Tremblay from CanLab. I've had him on my podcast a number of times, right? So Yeah, yeah. He's great. Yeah. yeah. So he's a little bit of a live wire, but he's... (laughs) He sounds like he knows his stuff, though. He's a busy man. Well, you know, it's interesting. We all think of peptides as being very new. And the truth of the matter is they've been around for a really long time. The world that, and I'm sure you talked about this with Jay on your podcast with him, is the weightlifting world is really where peptides got their start, right? Yeah, yeah, they've been using it for a long time. Biohackers, right? These are people who will stop at nothing to their goals. Be the best. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, Wade Lightheart talks about how he was really a biohacker in the 70s when he was bodybuilding. He's like, I've been doing this a long time. Yeah. 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 And you know, part of it is how do we define biohacking? You know, it's interesting. There was somebody we both know brought up a personality online the other day who stated that if she sees the word biohack, it's a red flag. That this yeah. person needs to be thrown to the wolves and gotten rid of. And I'm like, okay, well, let's define what biohacking really is. Can we? Like, it's, it, all it really is, is the desire to take control of your own health and outcome in my mind and being willing to look outside the confines of what conventional medicine is offering you and include lifestyle and diet and all. what are all the different levers we can be pushing and pulling to help our bodies get to that place where we want to be and minds. That's a good point. There's always going to be trolls like that and certain words, like I think just terminology can be really triggering to people, but it'd be fun to do a a round table with the six of us on that text thread and just each introduce our own definition of biohacking because it really is, I mean, wide whole perspective, like a very holistic perspective. What can we do? The levers you mentioned, how do we just stay curious? I think that's a really huge component of biohacking is just be curious. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And avoiding the arrogance trap, right? And we see that. Yes. We see that a lot. And even in the biohacking community is the minute you start thinking and believing that you have all the answers, you've fallen into a very sad trap. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There are traps well, everywhere. So we have to just keep our critical thinking hats on at all times. Absolutely. Yeah. And be willing yeah. to be wrong. It's like there's a big brand like Aura Ring right now, right? There's a big kerfuffle in the space because they've just released this beta platform that has taken their algorithms where they generate your deep sleep and your light sleep and really shifted it so that all of a sudden, if you go to the beta data... Like staging? Sleep yeah. Sleep, like, yeah. No deep sleep. I'm dying. Like my deep sleep, I was getting three hours of deep sleep. Now I get 27 minutes. What the hell's going on? And there's two ways of looking at that. You've got a bunch of people who are saying, well, Aura was full of crap all along and they didn't know what they were doing and they told us they did. Or you get the other camp that says, well, hey, they're just being better. Like they're saying, you know what? We didn't have all the answers. We're figuring it out. And we're now ready to share with you what we've learned. And yeah, it's going to turn what we thought we knew on its head. But what was the alternative for them to sit there and say, we're not learning and changing and evolving. And we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And let I don't know, like to me, it's kind of like anybody who's willing to stand up and say, hey, I've got new information. and it's not actually what I thought. <laughs> yeah. 
I respect yeah. people in the space that are willing to to speak up and be like, two years ago, I thought this was the best. And now here I am. And it's not. But yeah, I, or a same thing. Like, I don't think anyone would argue that they didn't learn from their original data, like the old sleep data. It's not like that was just like trash and you didn't learn anything from it. We still learned a lot from it. It's just it's always trends. They change trends. the isolated values and people are. Absolutely. And you know what? Down. You learn that in certain lifestyle habits made it that your sleep got better or worse. It maybe wasn't as better as you thought better, but it was still right. better or worse. Like it's not getting too hung up on the, on the values and the numbers. Right. So yeah. Yep. As Molly Eastman always says, yes, she'll be so well, proud right we now. We could go down this rabbit hole for a long time, but I think I to wrap up our conversation today, maybe could we just simplify and come back to where we started? Like, who is this really for if someone is interested in getting started? And can you share about your private support groups? Like, sure. who, who needs to know about this? I think to some degree, anybody who, I mean, on the bioregulator side, I think everybody needs to know about it because everybody can benefit from it, right? From my 85-year-old client who was getting up to pee five times in the night and started using the prostate bioregulator and all of a sudden gets to sleep through the night, it's life-changing. It can be life-changing when it hits like that, right? So I think the bioregulators and the oral bioregulators are categorized as nutritional supplements. So I think everybody should know about them. I think if people get the willies from the word bioregulator, go get some of the organ supplements that you can get from ancestral supplements or heart and soil, like those are probably a less concentrated, but nevertheless, you're going to be getting bioregulators in there because the organ is there, right? So I think everybody needs to know about bioregulators. The other peptides, look, they're not FDA approved. We don't, most of them, we don't have double blind clinical trials and we don't have full clarity on exactly what will unfold using these long-term. So that's going to appeal to a different part of the world, if you will, right? We've got people who are very ill and at the end of the day, just need to find something to help them to get better so that they can get their quality of life back. And then we have people who are like self-identifying as someone who just is willing to try different things to be better. And so for those people, you got to do your due diligence. You got to read. You got to maybe connect with a practitioner or a medical doctor who can help to guide you. So I think there's that whole gamut. I'm not going to sit here and say everybody should be using BPC-157 and thymosin beta-4 because it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. I think those two are pretty impressive compounds that I've seen do impressive things. But at the end of the day, you have to do your homework and be comfortable with yourself to know that this is something you want to kind of tap into for yourself. So one of the first things people can do is I've got a community on Facebook, which is the Optimizing Superhuman Performance Community. It's free. It's wild and crazy in there. It's big. It's noisy, but it's, you know, it's kind of like your big noisy kind of community. It's really, it's kind of fun. There's lots of knowledgeable people in there. I got a lot of physicians and practitioners in that community. There's and a lot of people who've been at this for a while, who've learned a lot themselves, who are willing to share. And myself and my moderator do our best to kind of help to guide the conversation and keep it safe, as it were. And then we'll both offer consults for people who just are like, you know, I'm new to this. I don't know what to do. Can somebody just talk to me? Because there's so much information and it's so hard to know where to get your information from. 
for people who kind of want a more intimate, quiet environment, I started a new community on Mighty Networks called the BSP community. And that's a paid community, but it's still at launch pricing. So guys, if you're listening to this, there's I'm going to keep it that way, I think, for a couple more months. And in that community, I'm doing live Q&As. I've got experts coming in doing Q&As. We, are, we do deep dives into peptides. People who sign up for a year get a peptide crash course as part of their membership. Like there's lots of, it's a bit more intense, if you will, as a community. And then there's a podcast, which is the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. And, and my website is natnidham.com where you can find all the stuff. Great. Wonderful. Yes. We'll link to all of that in the show notes for everyone so they can easily find you. So thanks for sharing that. Well, Natalie, before we let you go, we want to ask one final question. If you can leave our audience with one final piece of advice, something they can do to optimize their health. I'm going to say the one thing you should do to optimize your health is... God, that's a, it's always so hard. I don't want to say be grateful because, yeah, you should be grateful. But it's. I think actually it goes back to what Lauren said earlier is stay curious. Always be willing to ask questions of yourself and of the people that you go to for information. Be open and curious and do your homework, right? Like there are people out there who are wanting to help for sure, but always trust yourself and know that your gut and listening to yourself will almost always lead you in the right direction. And if somebody ask those questions, be curious. But if what you're getting back doesn't resonate for you and it doesn't feel right, then trust yourself enough to know that even though it might be somebody else's answer, it may not be yours. There's lots of different ways to skin a cat here. So great advice. Yeah. Trust your gut. All said and love the analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for sharing your amazing knowledge with us today and our listeners. And thanks to everyone that tuned in today. We will see you next time. Thank you both so much. This was a pleasure. Hey, biohackers. Thank you so much for staying until the end. And because you did, we have a very exciting announcement. For the next 90 days, we are giving free access to our seven-day Biohacker Babes Challenge. Each day includes a quick nutrition video, workout of the day, and actionables to keep you on track as we move further away from the new year. This is a great time to reinvest in your resolutions and bring a friend along for the ride. The offer will only be available for these 90 days or until the end of April. To access this challenge for free and to invite a friend, scroll down to the show notes and click the link. We will make sure you can't miss it. Happy biohacking. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with your physician or healthcare professional.